perpetual traveler through the Bible. Please join me for this bird's eye view of the scriptures. Stay as long as you like and let us together discover a bit more about the Bible from the beginning to the end. The next book in the Bible after Genesis is Exodus. The whole story of the book of Genesis is a message of the need of man. Therefore, Exodus is the story of God's response to the need of man. The book of Exodus contains the complete lesson of redemption. The whole book of Exodus centers around three major incidents. Firstly, the Passover. Secondly, the crossing of the Red Sea. And finally, the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. The first two of these, the Passover and the crossing of the Red Sea, provide a picture for us, as Christians, of the forgiveness and the freedom which God provides, and to teach us that freedom and forgiveness comes through God alone. Man can have no part in either of them. The first part of the book of Exodus, which is dealt with in chapter 1 through to chapter 15, is the story of how God began to move to set his people free. God arranged the encounters of Moses with Pharaoh. God was also the source of astounding miracles, ending in the passing over of the angel of death through the land of Egypt, while protecting his chosen people from judgment, as celebrated in the Passover feast. All this is a picture of God at work, setting his people free. The Israelites did nothing. They could do nothing. They were helpless slaves, just as we are. Romans 6 verses 19 to 22 declares that, Just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. So there was nothing for the Israelites to do. They could not add to it. They could only receive it. This is a picture of our own salvation. We could and can do nothing. We can only receive it. The next part of Exodus, running from chapter 14 through to chapter 18, deals with the crossing of the Red Sea, and that is the story of setting the people free from bondage. They were brought into a new relationship as they left Egypt. They came out of the land of the shadow of death, passed through the waters safely, and emerged on the other side, no longer merely a mob of people, but now, for the first time, a nation under God. I think 1 Corinthians 6 verses 19 to 20 gives us a great deal of insight as to what was expected of the Israelites and what is expected of us today. Those verses say, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So what did the Israelites encounter on the other side of the Red Sea? They came to Mount Sinai and the giving of the law. This is found in chapters 19 through to 40 of the book of Exodus. This part of Exodus shows us that when man is redeemed, in other words, set free, he is brought out of slavery of the bondage of sin, passing by the death of another, which is the Passover lamb, into liberty from Egypt. He then comes under the control of another. 
the giving of the law at Mount Sinai is the expression of the Lordship of God. The message of Exodus is that a new relationship is begun and a new ownership is entered into. Again, I would like to remind you of the passage that we have just read in 1 Corinthians 6 verses 19 to 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So, glorify God in your body. The next book of the Bible we encounter after Exodus is Leviticus, and this is where the wheels fall off for most of us during our Bible studies. It seems to be a book of strange ceremonies and sacrifices with many odd restrictions and other difficulties which all seem meaningless. Very simply put, Leviticus is a book of instruction designed to make all that God is available to man, so that all that man is may be available to God. So the theme of Leviticus is therefore access to God, and it begins with the story of the tabernacle, that wonderful building where God dwelt. All this is a picture of God's dwelling in the midst of his people, showing how they could have fellowship with him. The book of Leviticus is designed to teach us three major principles. The first is representation. That is, we never would have been permitted into the Holy of Holies had we been part of Israel. Only the high priest could go in, but when he did, he represented the whole nation. By that representation, the nation began to learn the wonderful principle of appropriating the value of another's work. The Apostle Paul explains this beautifully in Romans 6 verses 3 to 10 when he says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, would never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin, once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. That is what we were asked to believe, that Christ died for us, and that we died with him, and all of our victory rests on our ability to appropriate the work of another, that is Jesus, who is our representative. God began to teach this to the world in Leviticus. If we can see this first great principle in the book of Leviticus, it will no longer be an uninteresting dull book of laws and rules, but an Old Testament filter through which we can see Christ. The second great principle that God teaches in Leviticus was his adequacy. The first seven chapters of Leviticus open with the introduction of five offerings, which I am sure we will deal with later on in detail, and each offering speaks of Jesus Christ in his death for us. Each offering shows how a basic need of human life is fully met in what Christ has already done. Altogether, they show us that there is nothing that we will ever run into that hasn't already been taken care of by God. Therefore, it is unbelief to come to God and to start asking him to do something for us which he hasn't already done. 
The third great principle that God teaches in Leviticus is that all of the representation and all of the adequacy by the simple act of obedience, of faith in action, becomes the expression in our life. And the expression of this faith in action is worship. Leviticus is the book of access to God, of instruction in how to worship. Worship is nothing more than laying hold of God. We don't worship when we simply bow our heads and let some kind of religious thoughts wander through our minds or sing and clap our hands to some religious chorus. We worship when we lay hold of what God is. Though it may seem dry reading, when we begin to understand it, Leviticus gives us tremendous lessons in the life of worship. Leviticus is that book of instruction. If you read it in conjunction with the book of Hebrews, it will become one of the most illuminating studies in all of the Bible. If anyone wishes to understand Leviticus, one verse near the center of the book will help greatly. You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have separated you from the peoples, that you should be mine. This is Leviticus 20, verses 26. That is the purpose of the book of Leviticus. It details the way by which man is made holy enough to live in the divine presence and to enjoy a relationship so close that God will delight to say, You are mine. A final thought before we end this podcast. How is it that people can read the Bible for years, go to a Bible school, attend a Bible church, and even train as a pastor, and yet, sometimes after years of this kind of clear instruction in the truth, they remain helpless when it comes to walking in victory, as if they hadn't learned anything at all. The book of Numbers, the book that follows Leviticus, will answer that question. This is David Wiles, your fellow traveler in Christ, and this has been the podcast of the Bible, From the Beginning to the End, Episode 6. Episode 6.